0: in that great church. All right. I want to remind you of a couple of things and say a couple of things. First of all, um, usually uh, we gather together at 630 in the chapel uh, to pray. And this week we're not going to gather in the chapel at 630 to pray. We're going to do something different. We've got A bunch of students and leaders going to student camp tomorrow morning. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, Break out your phones, your note cards, whatever, and write down 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. If you're on your phones, go ahead and set a reminder that repeats every day at 1 o'clock. When that reminder comes on at 1 o'clock, I want you to pray for at least one minute. So 1 o'clock, one minute, and I want you to pray for this one thing. Every single day, 1 o'clock, 1 minute, let's pray that God would transform lives by His grace among the students at student camp this week, okay? So I want you to join me. We're not going to get together at 6.30 uh, in the chapel to pray together, but you and I will be praying every single day at 1 o'clock for this one thing, praying that God would transform lives by His grace among those students and even leaders that go to student camp this week. Will you pray with me at that time, 1 o'clock? I ask you to join me. All right. you will. You, uh, everybody's going to pray with me. Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. See, that was a cheat because you're like, well, I, I'm not going to tell him I'm not going to pray, right? Uh, <laughs> but you go ahead and be sure and just be reminded, just do whatever it takes to remind you to pray at 1 o'clock. Uh, every day this week for all the students and the leaders that are at student camp. And uh, and it's going to be a great time. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was getting the battery changed in my wife's car and went to uh, AutoZone and uh, the uh, talked to a, a gentleman named Tim. And Tim uh, walked over and he took a little gadget and he ch- tested my car and he said, you need a new battery. And so we uh, bought uh, the the premium battery, and he went in, and he put that thing in, and while he's working, I began to talk to him uh, about his life. I asked him what he did. He used to work for the Navy, and he did battery stuff for different things in the Navy, and then uh, he left the Navy and started working for a car dealership, and left the car dealership, and went to work for AutoZone, and as I was talking to Tim, I asked him, well, you know, what about uh, where were you raised? Do you have any kind of uh, religious background? And, and when I started talking about religion, you would think people kind of go, I'm not going to talk about religion with you, but it's an amazing thing. If you just uh, weave that into the conversation, tell me your story, as David Frost was saying, tell me the story of, uh, of your life. And Do you have family? Do you, uh, do you have any kind of religious background? People are open to talk about their religious background, and he shared a little bit about his religious background. Wasn't much, but had some religious background. He talked to me a little bit about that. And uh, he said, He said, Well, what about you? And I said, He had already heard that I had a granddaughter. Her name was Nora. <laughs> kind of break the ice. Talked about my four daughters, my two sons in law, my wife. And had a wonderful time talking about that. And he said, He said, uh, He said, Well, do you, you know, do you have any kind of religious background? Faith or philosophy that you follow, and I went. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, <laughs> and uh, began to talk to him about in my life, in my journey in life. I realized that um, that there was a brokenness inside of me, and no matter what I tried to do, my life just didn't make sense. There was an emptiness that I couldn't satisfy, and I tried a lot of different things to satisfy that emptiness. I tried to be better. I tried to do more. I tried to uh, have more. I tried as many things as I could try to fix what's broken in me. And I asked him, I said, have you ever felt broken like that? And he said, oh yeah. I said, well, in my journey uh, trying to fix my brokenness, I realized that what, was, what had broken me was that I wanted to know God and I didn't. I said, have you ever wanted to know God? And he said, well, you That'd be awesome. And so I said, Tim, I, I I realized that the reason I didn't know God was because, and I haven't even talked about Bible yet. He doesn't know I'm a Baptist preacher. I try to hold that off because immediately when I tell somebody I'm a Baptist preacher, they automatically form an opinion of me, and it's not always good. I said, Well, Tim, I realized that what had separated me from God was sin. I said, you know what sin is. He said, yeah. I said, well, I do too. I'm I'm, I'm an expert at sin. And I realized that my sin had created a chasm between God and myself that I could not fix. But as I began to search for what would fix what's broken in me and realized that it was my sin, I began to ask the question, what will fix my sin? And then I introduced the Bible. I said, there's a famous Bible verse. John 3.16. And that famous Bible verse helps us understand how that we can know God, how that our sin can be fixed. He said, well, I I know John 3.16. And he did. Very limited religious background, but he knew John 3.16. I said, what I realized is that Bible verse was the answer that I was looking for. And I shared with him how I came to faith in Christ, how I realized that my sin separated me from God and that God sent Jesus to my rescue to die on a cross for my sin in my place, to be raised from the dead, to offer me a new life so that when I repent and believe on Jesus, I have a new heart. I have a new life and I am brought into the family of God. Everything that was broken has been repaired because of Jesus. I said, Tim, is that something that you would like to happen in your life. He said, "Yeah." I said, "Is that something you'd like to see happen today?" He said, "Oh, no." <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I've had those conversations and it stopped. In that moment of crossing the line between hearing the good news and embracing the good news, I want to ask you to pray for Tim and pray that God would uh, use the gospel. Because I believe in the power of the gospel, don't you? I believe it is the power of God to rescue people like me and like Tim and like you. We pray that God would take the gospel and apply it to Tim's life and for his partner in life. um, That they would see the good news of God's rescuing love and be rescued by his grace. His name is Tim. Will you pray for him? And none of that has to do with the passage that we're looking at today. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. While you're turning there, I want to say a couple more things. First of all, I just want to thank you for being a family to my family. Uh, In the death of my grandfather a couple of weeks ago, 99 years old, Calvin K. Hauser went to be with Jesus. And he is happier today than he ever had been on this earth. And he had a great life on this earth. Six sons and daughters, countless grandchildren, a couple of great-grandchildren, or many great-grandchildren, and two great-great-grandchildren. One of them is Nora. <laughs> but y'all's, y'all's kindness to my family, your expressions of love uh, did not go unnoticed, and I just want to thank you. Uh, the cards, the letters, the sympathy, but also just the family love that you have shown my family. It means the world to me, thank you for that. I also want to thank you for um, allowing my wife and myself to get away for a few days, um, to kind of recharge, uh, to find uh, restorative rest, you know, just the opportunity for Eden for me to get away um, and think on each other, and to think on God and uh, and occasionally think on a couple of fish just saying there might have been fishing involved but it was a wonderful time and it could not happen except the generosity of you and allowing me to have that time Uh, so thank you uh, for loving your pastor and his family in such a way that uh, we're able to get away for a couple of days Um, it makes all the difference so thank you for that and uh Uh, All that to say, uh, we're looking uh, at what it takes to have a healthy heart. And I would just contend that being rested and focusing on Jesus really does help you have a healthy heart. Um, uh, And we're looking more than just the physical heart, we're looking at uh, the spiritual heart, the life. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for out of it flow the the source of life; it, it it is the very source of life, and it's not just talking about the beating organ in your body. It's talking about the very center of your being, and we are looking at how to have a healthy heart. Last week, Pastor Tim looked at Matthew chapter five, verses thirteen through sixteen, where uh, a healthy heart knows uh, that that we are uh, seen, that we uh, that we are known, and that we serve, and and so God is helped us see what kind of healthy heart uh, looks like in loving God and loving others and living the mission. Uh, today in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has been talking to the people who gathered around him and he's been, he led them into the sanctuary and he led them to hear uh, what it takes to commune with God to, in prayer, uh, uh, in fasting, uh, the, the kind of life uh, not built on a legalistic following of rules but rather an intimate relationship with the living God. And now, in verse 19, He, he, he wants us to hear um, how to have the right kind of treasure that leads to the best kind of life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, uh, Jesus said these words. Now again, these are commands. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't a take it or leave it kind of thing. This is the command of the living God to you, and to me. So God speaks, and I pray that we hear, and that the Spirit of God would apply these words to our lives. Jesus speaks, gives these commands. Verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, which moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But... The second command, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves can't break in and steal. And then the reason why we follow these commands, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In uh, the Lord of the Rings books... um, uh, it, it really is The Hobbit, and then uh, the next book is uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, and then The Two Towers, and then the final book uh, that Tolkien wrote was uh, The Return of the King. Then Tolkien's son, Chris, wrote a follow-up called The Silmarillion that gave the background uh, to The Hobbit and The Three Uh, Lord of the Rings books. I don't know if you've read the books. I encourage you to read them. Many of you have seen the movie. movie's great. It's fine. It's okay. Read the books. Uh, It really does make a difference. And and so in all the books, The Hobbit and the three Lord of the Rings book, um, there is a character that we see in each one of those books, a character that is a main character in each one of those books. His name is Smeagol, but also his nickname is Gollum. Gollum's easier to say than Smeagol, and Gollum really is the name that we hear about him throughout most of the book. But Gollum is a weird creature. Again, you might not know about the mythic realm of Middle-earth in The Lord of the Rings, and if you don't, just know that you've got orcs, bad guys, You've got wizards, some good, some bad. You've got elves, um, uh, high elves and wood elves. You've got uh, uh, dwarves. Uh, You've got men like you and me, and you've got hobbits. And The Hobbit, um, the book, first book, The Hobbit, that's about The Hobbit. Bilbo Baggins is his name. Anyway, uh, Smeagol or Gollum, uh, we're not really sure what he was, maybe a high elf, uh, but Centuries before he met a guy named Bilbo Baggins in the caverns of a, uh, underneath an orc lair, he, he, uh, or he, he found a treasure. And that treasure dominated his life. He found a treasure and he lived the rest of his days, hundreds of years, motivated and moved by his treasure. That treasure would uh, lead him along a path, and, and that path, and the thoughts of that treasure and the pursuit of that treasure and the embrace of that treasure dominated every aspect of his life. He called the treasure, My Precious. And that treasure was a ring, a simple ring, but it is the, called the ring of power. And throughout all four books, that ring has prominent place and Gollum's um, uh, obsession with that ring really is the undercurrent of the storyline of the book. I say all that not merely to get you excited about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but what I want you to see is that Gollum had a treasure But that treasure was toxic, and that toxic treasure would eventually lead to Gollum's death. Gollum had a treasure that dominated his life, but it wasn't the right treasure. When Jesus talks to us today, when he speaks to you and to me about our lives, about how we live our lives, he's talking to us about how not to be Gollum. He's talking to us about how to have the right treasure. In fact, I contend through this passage today that the central teaching for us is that a healthy heart treasures heavenly things. A healthy heart, and we want to have a healthy heart because a healthy heart leads to a healthy life, and a healthy life leads to a healthy family, and a healthy family leads to a healthy job, and a healthy job and a healthy family and a healthy life leads to a healthy church. We want to be healthy. I want you to be healthy. I want to be healthy. In order to be healthy, we need to have the right treasure. And so the words of Jesus should influence how we live today and every day. All right, so let's look at what Jesus said, a healthy heart treasures heavenly things. Let's look at how that influences. Let's break apart verses 19 through 21. Then there are a couple of action steps that we'll have at the end. The first thing I want us to do is have this treasure defined. When Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy where thieves cannot break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also he uses treasure a lot of times now treasure as jesus is using it is exactly what we see in gollum A treasure is that thing which is the focus of our life. It's what wakes us up in the morning. It's what puts us to bed at night. It drives our activity. It becomes our ambition. Our treasure is what we value most in our life, reflected in the actions and in the thoughts, the conduct of our everyday life. And so the question becomes, what is your treasure? What is your treasure? What is my treasure? We'll try to answer that in a few moments. So treasure is defined, that which dominates. It could be a job, it could be a relationship, it could be money. Uh, he's uh, He's not saying that there's anything wrong with a job or a relationship or with money as long as they're in their proper place. So he's telling us that we need to have... Our treasure, not not our job. Our job can't be our treasure because if it is, we're going to end up dissatisfied. And um, um, uh, even my marriage, which I value and I treasure, is not my greatest treasure. Even Nora, who I treasure, is not my greatest treasure. Because if anything that I treasure is earthbound it's going to end up disappointing, dissatisfying, and becomes toxic, like Gollum's ring of power. So treasure is defined in this way, but also a truth is declared. Jesus declares the truth of this passage in verse 21. Verse 21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Say it a different way. What captures your heart is the treasure of your life. The treasure of your life will capture your heart. There's a relationship, a connection between what your heart desires, what you give your heart to, and the treasure of your life. And the question is, what has captured your heart? So we have this treasure defined. We've got this truth defined. Now we have the two commands. The two commands that Jesus gives... The first one is stop. The second one is start. Okay? You see that? So in verse 19, he says, Stop treasuring earthly things. Stop making earthly things your greatest treasure. In 2011, there was this great discovery in a temple uh, that was built in about 800 A.D. This temple on the southern tip of India uh, housed um, uh, for centuries a great treasure. A-, a treasure that was so immense that King Solomon would be jealous and Indiana Jones would come out of retirement. A, a-, a treasure so enormous that it left everyone shocked because nobody had heard about this temple. And maybe you don't even know where it is, but it's on the southern tip of India. I can't say its name because I I don't want to try to pronounce it, but it's on the southern tip. You can Google it and you'll find it. about it. Something like that. Anyway, so this temple in 2011, because of of some questions about the temple and the management of resources and the reputation that it had great riches, the government of India, the Supreme Court, ruled that they needed to take an inventory of all its resources. And they went into this centuries-old temple, and they went down to where the vaults were. And the vaults were numbered A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H. They opened five of those vaults. Two they never have opened. Even since then. They opened five of those vaults and what they found stunned the world. They found a big idol made of solid gold. They found a throne for that idol made of solid gold. They found buckets and buckets and buckets of diamonds and jewels. They found Um, a granary filled with silver and gold coins. They found necklaces of solid gold that are three feet long and weigh over five pounds. They found one necklace that's ten feet long and weighed over 50 pounds. They found a great treasure trove. Now, everybody's heard of the Vatican, the Vatican in Rome. The, The treasure of the Vatican in Rome is measured at about $15 billion. Now, everybody's heard of the Vatican. I mean, it's worldwide Roman Catholicism, right? I mean, that's the centerpiece of the Roman Catholic Church. And everybody knows about the Vatican. And the wealth of Vatican and Vatican City is about $15 billion. When those inventories were made. Of just five of the seven vaults, when the inventories were made, they came to a conclusion that the cash value of all the things that they saw $22 billion. Imagine an unknown temple on the tip of the southern part of India, a small insignificant temple that was centuries year, years old ha, is now described as the wealthiest church in the history of the world. But here's the kicker. Experts have determined that for, for over a thousand years, the managers of this temple have been receiving gifts and have been storing those gifts in the A to H vaults. And for a thousand years, they've been storing these treasures. But those treasures have done nothing. They have zero value to the community or the world because they've been stored up in a dusty vault never to be used. 22 billion dollars in the basement of a church and if you go out on the streets of that southern town the capital city of that region and district all you'll find is poverty and hunger all you'll find is drought and disease and for centuries this temple had a treasure trove that was hoarded It doesn't lead to life and it satisfied no one. That's what earthly treasures do for you and for me. We might have amassed a great fortune. But friends, i got news. You'll never take it with you. No matter what you have, it will never satisfy the yearning of your soul when jesus says stop stop treasuring earthly things as though you can get as though they have eternal value stop treasuring earthly things as though they can answer the yearning of your soul with all the wealth of that temple on the southern tip of india <laughs> with all the wealth that they had that wealth doesn't touch, can't compare to the wealth that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, friends, you may be treasuring your IRA, your bank account, your car, your house, You might be treasuring the fun times you have. You might be chasing after and ambitious for your little ring of power. But make no mistake, those earthly things will lead to disaster and disappointment. When we treasure earthly things as though they can bring eternal value, we're on the path of Gollum, about to be burned up in Sauron's mountain. Today, we need to stop, and we need to start. The second command, the first command, stop storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. The second command, by the way, that command doesn't mean you don't have a good bank account. Doesn't mean you don't invest in your IRA. Doesn't mean that you don't have. My granddaddy, uh, when, when, he, uh, when he died the, uh, or around that time, they, my, my uncle Uh, uncles and and aunts, went through the house. And my granddaddy, 99 years old, he went through the Great Depression, so he didn't trust banks. Thousands of dollars in cash hidden away in jacket pockets, suit pants, sock drawers. There was a treasure trove. There's nothing wrong with having money. It's when money becomes the driving force of your life, the focus of your everyday. A healthy heart doesn't have earthly things as its primary focus. Stop that. We stop, but we also start. Jesus said, Start storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So we stop treasuring earthly things as though they can give etern- heavenly value and we start treasuring heavenly things as the most important things of our life. It's what, what we see in, in, uh, in, 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 in Jesus' teaching is really what we see in his life. Jesus didn't have a pillow upon to lay his head but he had the greatest treasures ever known. And Jesus lived his life probably in poverty and he certainly knew hunger. But Jesus was the most satisfied man ever to live. Jesus treasured heavenly things. Oh, What does it mean to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven? It means that you keep as your focus the things of God. As your primary focus the will of God, walking in intimacy with God. Just as the ring of power drove Gollum to his own despair, when we wake up in the morning and we're driven by an ambition, I want to know God. I want to live for His glory. I want to give myself to Him. That's storing up treasures in heaven. It's finding satisfaction in the greatest treasure we could ever know. storing up treasure in heaven, probably what Jesus is getting at is what we read in verse 33, Matthew 6, 33. And Jesus, in beginning verse 24, he says, don't worry about what you sleep, where you sleep or what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the clothes you're going to put on your back. Uh, don't be anxious about any of those things because your heavenly father who cares for birds in the air and, and, and flowers in the field, he's going to take care of you. But here's what you need to do. Matthew six thirty-three. Jesus said, but seek First, the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things he'll take care of. Oh, yeah, that's what it means to store up things. Uh, uh, store up heavenly things. It, It means that we have as our focus every day the kingdom of God and obedience to Him. It's about intimacy with God and living in intimacy with Him through obedience to His commands. It's walking the path that God has set every day. I don't want to get off that path because it's going to lead to my own disaster. So here are these two commands, and the question is, how are we doing with that? Which treasure do you have? Earthly treasure, heavenly treasure. Now, here's what I know. I know that if I pursue heavenly things, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If I pursue heavenly things, here's what I know. I know that I will have a healthy heart. I know that if the ambition of my life is like Gollum for the ring of power, earthly things... It's going to lead to despair and disaster, an unhealthy heart. I want you to be healthy. I want to be healthy. But can I tell you, I've been a follower of Jesus for 44 years. That's how long I've been a follower of Jesus. And every day is a challenge to store up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. Every single day. Look, I'm telling you, it is tough. Because we see things and we feel things and we look for things and we hear things and we think that's the most important thing there is. My job, most important thing there is. Making money, most important thing there is. Chasing trout in a mountain stream, most important thing there is. We have all these different little rings of power that we're chasing after and it's the easiest thing in the the world to do. Chase after earthly things. Treasure, have as our ambition earthly things. So, for 44 years, I have been striving to store up treasures that are heavenly. And here's what I've learned. Here are the actions that I encourage us to make so that we have healthy hearts because we're treasuring heavenly things. All right, so here's the first thing if we're going to have a healthy heart that treasures heavenly things, then The first thing we've got to do is embrace Jesus as Savior. I I know majority of people in this room perhaps have already embraced Jesus as Savior. You've had that transformation of heart and life where you repented your sin, you trusted in Jesus and He changed you from the inside out. But there are some online and even in this room, you're like Tim, empty and complete. You're like I was before I embraced Jesus as Savior. A hole in my soul that I couldn't fill, a brokenness that I couldn't fix. And the Bible tells us that if we want to have a healthy heart, we need to have a new heart. And only Jesus can give us that new heart. See, we're dead in our sin. Our sin has killed us and killed our heart. In order to have a heart that is that is not made of stone and stubborn against God. We need a heart that's made of flesh, a heart that is tender toward God and obedient to God and surrendered to God. And the only way we can get that heart is by embracing Jesus as our Savior. Friend, today, if you don't know Jesus as your king, then I invite you to meet him as your king. Because until he is your king, you are lost and in a wilderness of pain and sorrow and despair. And every, every treasure of your life is going to lead to despair and destruction. I invite you to embrace Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that when we become followers of Christ, when we embrace Jesus as our Savior, then He gives us a new heart. He makes us a new creation. Many of us here today, we've experienced that. We have that new heart. We're the living fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy, God's uh, prophecy through the prophet Ezekiel, where God promised, he said, there'll be a day when I give you a new heart, a heart not made of stone, but a heart of flesh, a heart that is obedient to him. That's the kind of heart believers have. And if you're not yet a believer, I beg you, come to Christ. That's the very first step to having a healthy heart. A healthy heart that treasures the right thing. Now, many of us, most of us perhaps, are followers of Jesus. We've embraced Jesus as Savior, so what do we do? What's, what's the next step? Well, the next step is to set your mind on Jesus. Set your mind on Jesus. You might know, say, well, what? think about him. Yes. Read about him. Yes. Talk to him? Yes. Go back to Gollum in The Lord of the Rings. You realize Gollum thought about the ring all the time. What captured his thoughts also captured his heart. The ring became my precious, which led to a life in pursuit of the ring. If we're going to pursue the right treasure, not the wrong one, the right one, we must set our mind on Jesus. He's our treasure. What captures our thoughts will capture our heart and what captures our heart is our treasure colossians chapter 3 verse 1 the apostle paul said it this way he said he said set your mind on things above where christ is sitting at the right hand of the throne of god set your mind on things above not on things on the earth For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, when Christ, who is our life, appears, we will also appear with Him in glory. When you wake up in the morning, do you cast your mind toward Jesus? Are you thinking about Him on your way to your office or your work? Are you thinking about Him as you're, as you're perusing the to-do list of your day? Are you, are you focused on Jesus? Are you talking to Him and listening to Him? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to give the words of Christ and plant them and awaken them and uh, uh, excite them in your soul? We must set our minds on Jesus for when Jesus captures our thoughts, then Jesus will capture Our hearts and Jesus will be our treasure. And the only way for us to have a healthy heart is when Jesus is the treasure of our life. So, what is your treasure? Again, I've been at this for a while now in my life. And every day it's a struggle. Every day. I have to exercise discipline in my life to set my mind on Jesus so that he captures my thoughts and he captures my heart and he is my treasure. As I was preparing this message um, two weeks ago, last week, God just laid upon my heart a song that we sing here together. It's a song that I think reflects what it means to set our minds on Jesus. Listen to the lyrics. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone Then on the third at break of dawn the son of heaven rose again O oh, trampled death where is your sting The angels roar for Christ the king O oh, praise the name of the Lord our God O oh, praise his name forever O oh, praise The name of the Lord our God. For endless days we will sing your praise. O Lord, O Lord our God. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. And I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. O oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. O oh, praise his name forever for endless days. We will sing his praise. O oh, Lord, O oh, Lord, our God. Set your mind on Jesus. Cast your mind upon him. And he will capture your heart. And he will be your treasure. And you and I will be healthy for God's glory. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Today, if you have not yet embraced Jesus as Savior and King, if you haven't trusted him as Lord, today I invite you to come to Christ, to repent your sin and to trust in him. If there is an emptiness in your heart, a a brokenness that you have been trying to fix, but you have not yet fixed, I invite you in a few moments when we stand and sing together to come to the ministers who are here at the front and tell them, I need to meet Jesus. Some of you are here today and you need to be baptized as believers. You need to follow the Lord and declare publicly, profess publicly your allegiance to Jesus as Savior and King. Some of us gathered here need to come to Christ Some of us need to be baptized as believers. Some who are here, you need to become part of this family of faith and join our church. Whatever commitments there are that you need to make, ministers are here waiting in a moment when we stand together and sing. Now, Father, I pray that you would draw to yourself each one whom you are calling and draw us so that we might be transformed by your great grace and be glorified in this time and honor your name. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things.